God's word, God's people, and God's truth are under assault and attack. Take refuge in the Lord. We need everyone to dig deeper, to lay the foundation so that we can stand tall for the Lord. All right, all right. Thank you, guys. Thank you for being in here today. Thank you for coming up and singing for us. You guys are naturals. I think future praise team singers up here. Great job. Thank you. <clears throat> Love that song. Love that song. Well, welcome this morning. Thanks for being here. I'm Pastor Dave, and uh, we are carrying on a year-long theme this morning. Every last Sunday of the month, we're doing something called Foundations, and then we work other things in between those last Sundays. Today happens to be a fifth Sunday, and every fifth Sunday, we have all the children in here with us. So, kids, thank you. Do your best to pay attention. A lot of us grew up going to church like big church every Sunday in our life, and we made it. We survived. And there's hope for you, too. Amen, parents? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Psalm 11 says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? <clears throat> what can the righteous do? That's a good question, isn't it? What can we do? We see the crumbling and the attacks on the foundations of our life. Righteous foundations, the things that we build our lives on and our values on, the things that we build our behavior on, the way we teach our children and grandchildren, those things are being undermined and attacked today in our culture, unlike at any other time before. And one of the things we're doing, as you saw here, the prepped and prime, we're trying to drive this into the hearts lay it into the hearts, the minds of children so that when they get older, they won't have any question about, is there really a God? Did he create the world? Does, does my life have purpose? All this stuff, they will know it'll be deep in their heart. And they'll be ready not just to go on defense, but to go on offense. We were talking last service about uh, the Fletcher family. He has, uh, he's a real tall guy. His kids play basketball, and Joel said, that's enough. You've had three kids. I said, no, 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 we're not talking about zone defense here. We're talking about offense. Have two more. So if you're up here and you only had three, you only have three? Come on, have two more. Get a whole basketball team going in your house. Keep going. We need, uh, we need godly kids, don't we? We need more uh, young people out there who know the Word of God. So, what can we do? What can the righteous do? What can we do about this problem that it seems to be attacking us even at the lowest levels? And when I say lowest levels, pay attention to what your kids are watching on TV. Pay attention not just to the shows they're watching because you're probably discerning about that, but pay attention to the commercials they're watching. And I'm going to tell you there's an assault on our, on our children and they're trying from every angle. When I say they, I mean the enemies of God. That's really what they are. If you're not for God, you're against him, right? Agree or disagree? Yeah, if you're not for God, you're against him. So, so we can do something about this. The Bible says, and the rest of this psalm here, Psalm 11, 
that the Lord is in his holy temple. This is why we can do something about it. The Lord's on the throne in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him, let God rain coals on the wicked, fire and sulfur, and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous, and he loves righteous deeds, and the upright shall behold his face. You see, we can win because God is on our side, right? God is on our side. God says, this is what I want. Walk in this way, and you don't have to worry about those who are attacking you. So there are so many people, uh, so many young people. When I say young people here, I mean people in their late teens and 20s even who grew up in church, who understand that there is a God and that he has sent his son to die for me and that I, uh, you know, I want to live for him or I need to live for him. There's so many of them who are going off to college, going off to their independent lives, and they get out there for a little bit and they hear something some atheistic professor says or somebody questions their faith, and because they're not grounded, they throw the towel in, and before you know it, they drop out of church and they drop out of their faith. And before you know it, that starts seeping into the rest of their life. They don't have the foundation of a godly life, of a biblical worldview, and it starts showing up in their kids, your grandkids. And then just think about what's going to happen to the next generation. They won't even know who God is. And so this is what we're doing. We can win this battle. We're going to uh, put this into the hearts and minds of children. And I don't know about you, but I see God's providence and God's wisdom, the need for God's wisdom in so many places in our culture. Are you paying attention to what's going on in our culture? Can you see even from your own living room and, and from your own circles that uh, God is, is at work and he is, he is at work doing something, but also we see the devil at work. We see this happening. And, and uh, the, the topic we're talking about today, that you heard from the kids up here, is such an important topic. It is a fundamental, foundational topic, and that is that we are made in the image of God. And today we're going to talk about what that means. What does it mean that we're made in the image of God? Your dog wasn't, your cat wasn't, your horse wasn't, nothing else in your, in your, on your farm was made in the image of God. You were made in the image of God. And we're going to talk about what that means. Now, if you've been paying attention over the last several uh, weeks, even months, maybe longer than that, you've heard of this thing called artificial intelligence. Has anybody been paying attention to what the AI, AI stands for artificial intelligence, the AI discussions? <clears throat> yeah, they're going on. It's going on now, and it's starting to ramp up. You might have heard Elon Musk talk about this stuff or somebody else, but, you know, as a church, we need to address current issues. We need to talk about what's going on, and how should we think about this stuff from a Christian worldview. Now, tonight, we, every time we have a last Sunday of the month, a foundation Sunday, we have a session on Sunday night where we're going to dig into artificial intelligence tonight and really see what it is. But here's, here's a definition. Artificial intelligence is simply the simulation of human intelligence processes by machines. In other words, they're making computers now and machines that can do the thinking for you. And actually, it's, uh, it's, it's more than just mimicking 
they want to make machines that can do your thinking. Now, you, if, if you might think, well, preacher, this doesn't have anything to do with me. I, I'm not into artificial intelligence. I don't have any AI. I'm not into that. Well, I beg to differ with you. Beg to differ with you. How many of you are old enough to remember? You're going to tell your age here. You're, old, you're like me. You're old enough to remember when the calculator came out. Anybody remember the calculator? Yeah, and the rest of you who don't remember when that came out, yeah, you might remember the calculator, but you don't remember when it came out. Before we had the calculator, we had to work everything out on paper, didn't we? I mean, carry the one and find the common denominator and all that stuff. We had to use our brains and a pencil and a number, what number pencil? Number two pencil, and we had to write it down on paper. And that's how we did calculations. We did them on paper, and the teacher, my teacher anyway, would always say, can you help me out here? She would always say, show your work, exactly. Show your work. I want to know how you got this answer. I want to see the steps you took so I can tell you where you went wrong. And then the calculators came out, and it was like, can we use our calculator? And, and, uh, and before you know it, Teachers and professors had to say, of course, you can use your calculators. That's what they're there for. That's AI. And not only that, my guess is, although you may not use a calculator every day, I bet there's, uh, I bet there's something that you do use every day. Now, you may not be old enough to have one of these yet, and the age for this is uh, 35. Yeah, yeah, 35. Is that high enough for you, Christy? We go higher. Uh, but anyway, did you know that AI, artificial intelligence, can, can do, understand this number here. I, I don't understand it. I don't think you will either. 425 quadrillion calculations every second. Bill, that'll make your brain hurt, won't it? 425 quadrillion calculations every second. Now, we can't do a calculation per second. You and I cannot do one per second. Now, some of you might be on the, uh, you know, the higher IQ in, and maybe you can do one every four or five seconds, you know, just depending on what you're looking at. But we can't. We just can't do it every second. If we could, though, if you could do a calculation per second, do you know how long it would take? Do you know how long? I had to look and see if it was on the screen. Do you know how long it would take for you to do what a, a machine, an AI machine can do in one second? Almost 14 billion years. Obviously, there's some productivity issues there, right? I mean, if a machine can do what it would take 14 billion years for you to do, let's have the machine. Plus, the machine won't hang out at the coffee pot all morning or bother anybody or complain about his work hours, right? You understand what I'm saying? Now, listen to me when I say that things are happening right now in robotics and uh, computers and artificial intelligence at an unprecedented rate. It's happening so fast, so fast. And let me tell you something. People, I don't, I don't know uh, if, if, you're, if you keep up with this kind of stuff, but people in our culture are jumping on the bandwagon of artificial intelligence. And I'm not just talking about your smartphone. I'm talking about higher ways that we'll talk about tonight, AGI, 
artificial general intelligence, which are thinking machines, they're jumping on the bandwagon faster than, than we did as a culture to social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, that kind of thing. And you know how fast that took over the world. Remember when young people thought Facebook belonged to them? Remember when college students thought this was their thing? And then the, us old people took it over? We own it now, right? And so young people got off of it and got on to other things. And, and, and so AI is just taking over. Maybe you've seen the movies uh, Terminator, War Games, iRobot. We could go down a list of 1,000. How many of you young people saw the movie WALL-E? Anybody see WALL-E? Remember what happened to the humans on WALL-E? Where did you find the humans? They were all inside sitting on a chair just growing bigger and bigger, and they just rode their chairs around. Now, that makes me think, you know, I've got this sciatic nerve problem going on. It makes me think every time I go into Walmart, I want to get on that cart and ride it around Walmart, but I'm afraid one of you would run into me there and ask me what I was doing. But th this, is what, this is what happens in this. AI is the playground of science fiction writers, and this is what, what happens in a distant future according to Wally, or maybe you're like me and you like the movie, The Matrix. And none of these movies end well for the humans. They all are destroying the humans. Just a couple weeks ago, lest you think this is not gonna impact us, just a couple weeks ago, two of the most wealthy and influential musicians, singers, in our culture today, and maybe you haven't heard of them, maybe you have. The Canadian, they're both Canadians, Drake, and one's called The Weeknd. The Weeknd. You can look them up online. These two guys, very rich, very influential. Something happened just a couple weeks ago. Somebody took their voice, their voices, and wrote with artificial intelligence, wrote a song and produced this song and put it out online. And before the, uh, the record label of the, these guys could take it down, it had millions of views, millions of views. And, and so they had to ask themselves the question, what in the world? If somebody, if a machine directed by somebody can take our voices and write a song and produce it without us, what does that make us? Obsolete. I don't know what you said there, Tim, but whatever you said was probably right. Obsolete. Useless. Makes us useless. Do you see where this is going? Do you, do you see that, according to the BBC, the AI, if it reaches its full potential, could replace 300 million jobs in our culture that's a fourth of the workforce customer service reps receptionists accountants salespeople truck drivers taxi drivers retail services security people military personnel they're also saying that robots and this has already happened i know a man in our church who had a robot do his surgery did a surgery for him and that might make sense since now in the united states the number three leading cause of death is Doctor error, it's physician error. Maybe you do want a machine operating on you instead of a doctor. Now you might be asking, what does this have to do with being made in the image of God? 
I hope your spiritual eyes are being awakened to what's going on here. We're at the point where we must all understand what it means to be human. What does it mean to be human? Or I think we could lose the value, the focus on the value of humanity. Is there any difference between a highly functioning machine, a computer that can do what you can do faster and better and more efficient? Is there any difference in that and you? I mean, to the employer, you, you might become obsolete. If now we are byproducts of our, athe- our atheistic culture says we are byproducts, accidental, purposeless results of an evolutionary process, it doesn't matter. But if you believe in God, if you believe there is a God who made us, who created the world and everything that's in it and gave us purpose and value, then, then you're going to have to ask yourself this question. What does it mean for me to be human made in the image of God? Now, there's a guy, he, a Hebrew university guy, Yuval Harari. You can look him up. He says the big question for 21st century economics, and he's looking at how we're going to feed a growing world with diminishing resources. When we got countries like the United States who deplete 95% of the resources while the rest... We deplete 95% of the resources with 5% of the people, and the 95% of the people get 5% of the resources. How are we going to feed all these people in the years to come? If climate change is real, if these things are happening, if the things are drying up and farmers are shutting farmers down and somebody else is buying up all their land and trying to force us all into a one-world government kind of thing, how are we going to feed all these people? He says... The question is, what should we do with all the superfluous or the useless people? You know what this means? It means that respect for human life and personal property goes down. It means that the older you get, the less valuable you become. It means that if you're sick or disabled or physically restricted in any way, you become a burden to society. It means that a viable option for superfluous population control is abortion. It means that families will be discouraged from having too many kids. Now, the implications of this are big, but I don't want to focus too much more on them. We're going to look at some of them this evening. But here's the, here's the answer. We're made in the image of God, and we matter. We're, mad. We're the smartest people on the earth. And if a machine is made to be smarter than we are, it might be our last act. we got to get smart. Humans are made in the image of God, Artificial intelligence is made in the image of God. So what does it mean? I'm sorry, they're made in the image of man. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? Let's see what the Bible says. Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creep on the earth, creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living creature, every living thing that moves on the earth. There's three things we can see from Genesis 1 and 2 that show us that we're made in the image of God. The first one is this, we were, we were made for fellowship. Notice that God said, let us make man in our image. God is a triune God, Father, Son, and who? 
Holy Spirit, living in perfect harmony and unity. And he made us that way. That's what, part of what it means to be made in his image. What this means for you is that you should never go it alone. When After God made the man down in chapter 2, the Bible says it is not good. Now, I think, uh, I think there was a conversation that went on before God said this, that it was recorded. I think God was looking down, uh, and I think God said, um, I think he said, hey, look at that guy down there. He don't know what he's doing. He does not eat in regular. He's, he's leaving stuff all over the floor. This guy ain't going to make it. Poor guy. Don't you think that's the conversation God was having? I mean, he, what did I do here? I know what I'll do, he said. He said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. And so he made the woman from Adam's side. I guess we could... Technically, you say that although men were made from dirt, women weren't. And the Bible says Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. He had fellowship with God. And then he had fellowship with his wife. You know, that's, that's what we have. We have fellowship with one another. And so... Um, uh, I looked around and saw a lot of children in here, and I decided not to go with that... Uh, that line of thinking, fellowship. And so, uh, but you get it now, don't you? Uh, when they sinned, that broke their fellowship. That broke their fellowship with God, and it breaks our fellowship. Uh, husbands and wives, if you, if you sin against your mate, that breaks your fellowship. It breaks your fellowship, just like our sin breaks fellowship with God. We have this innate sense of morality because of this. Because God has a way of living, and, and then we want to live a different way. And this sense of morality, right and wrong, God's way, guess what, is always right. It's always right. And if you live in God's ways, you might have the devil's attacks, but I promise you, your life will be better. It'll be better. Give it a try. Try living God's way for 30 days. You can try a diet for 30 days or uh, an exercise plan for 30 days. Try living God's way for 30 days. What does that look like? Wake up, pray, read the Bible, talk to other people who are doing the same thing. And before you make big decisions in your life, before you go a certain way, ask God what he thinks you should do. And I guarantee you, your life will be better. You know, in the book of Judges, in that time, the, the Bible says there was a generation who grew up and they did not know the Lord and they didn't know the work that he had done and they fell away, they abandoned the Lord. And when I look at our nation, I wonder how long it's going to take. You know, back in the, in the 50s, people were, were, were pretty serious about their faith. I'm not saying that we're not, but I'm saying as a culture, more people were serious about their faith and we are today as a culture. I wonder if we're headed for a time when our culture will put God over here on a corner and those are the extremists, leave them alone. They have weird views and God is out of the mainstream. God is somewhere relegated to a sidebar and we're all living, uh, you know, uh, the culture is living the way it wants to live, abandoning God. I just don't think that's the right way and I think it's going to end in a bad way for humanity. Second thing I want you to know is that we have dominion over the earth. That's what it means to be made in the image of God. God said, let them have dominion. 
God has dominion. That means power or authority. God has all authority, and it looks like here that he gave us some authority. What did he give us authority over? He gave us authority over the earth. He gave us authority over everything on the earth. We're in charge here. The animals aren't in charge. You know, last Saturday, not yesterday, but last Saturday was called Earth Day. Did any of you celebrate Earth Day? We love the earth, don't we? We love the earth. I was watching TV, and uh, on one of those live off the grid channels, there was this family around a table and they were, they were getting ready to go to commercial. You know, you can always tell when they're getting ready to go to commercial because they're zooming out. And this family had, were holding hands around this table. It was a mom and dad and three or four kids. And they were getting ready to pray. I could tell they had their, getting ready to eat and they had their uh, holding hands around this table. And I said, oh, this is good. You know, we need to see more of this on TV. We need to see families praying together. We need to see people around the table thanking God for their food. But uh, as I listened, as it was going out, I, I listened to their prayer, and their prayer sounded something like this. Thank you, Father, Son, for all your warmth and light, and thank you, Mother Earth, for these tasty tomatoes and crispy cucumbers. I'm like, oh, no. They didn't go high enough, did they? they don't, we, don't, we don't thank the father, son, and mother earth for our food. We think the one who made the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth, right? We, that's who we think. God made that, and he put us over everything else. Now, I gave the uh, first service an assignment that I'm going to give you. Kids, you can do this too. Read Psalm 8 sometime this week today preferably. Read Psalm 8, the whole psalm. It's only nine verses long. If you want, you can have your AI machine read it for you if you have the Bible app, and it really, it really sounds good. And this is a psalm of praise to God, and in this psalm, it says that what is man? When I consider the work of your hands and the stars in the sky and all the things you've done, what is man that you're mindful of him? You have made him lower than the angels and uh, uh, given him glory and honor. We have glory and honor. It's an honor to be a human. And it's an honor for us to be in human together, be in human fellowship together. The word subdue in verse 27 means to bring under cultivation. So that really is, uh, we, could, we could talk about work there. We were made to do something. We're made to work. And before the industrial revolution of the 1800s, we had to do all the work. Then they started making machines that do the work. And now some of us have jobs. You might have a job where you sit at a desk all day, where you look at a computer screen or where you look at paper. Nobody does that anymore much. But God made us to do something. So and when you get older, you got to go do something. You got to move out of the house. Michelle said, <laughs> Michelle said she, uh, you know, you lose your marbles when your kids are 18. I would say, yeah, long before that. But that's a cue. Every now and then you guys should ask your parents, how many marbles do you have left? Because I got to start thinking about a J-O-B, right? I got to go do something. 
because God gave you creative ability. He gave you skills and power to make things of beauty and, and, and use your intelligence. That's just like Uncle Ben told Peter Parker. Remember what he told him? With great power comes great responsibility. So, lastly, we have, we're made for fellowship. We, we have dominion. That's what it means to be made in God's image. But the most important thing, I think, is this last one. We have a soul. We have an eternal soul. Now, most of you probably know that the Hebrew word for man is the word, anybody know? What's the Hebrew word for man? Adam. Adam. That's the Hebrew word for man. I'm just going to name you man. Adam. It's like, uh, you know, uh, get in here, girl. Come here. Did you know, though, that the Hebrew word for dirt is just a little bit more than the word for man? Adama. So, Literally, we humans come from the dust of the earth. This is why my wife says she doesn't dust on top of the refrigerator. She says it might be somebody we know. <laughs> Psalm 103, 14 says he knows our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. One preacher was reading this passage in he had his hands raised and eyes raised to heaven, and he said, Dear Lord, without you we are but dust. And he would have finished, but a little five-year-old girl in the audience looked at her mother in a voice where everybody could hear. She said, Mama, what is but dust? <laughs> but dust indeed. You know, Genesis chapter 1 is the chronological account of creation. Genesis chapter 2 is... The creation, it's day six. It's day six. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land. And there was no man to work the ground. This was pre-Adam. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground. Now watch what he does next. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And some versions say soul, a living soul. You see, we may be just plain old ordinary dirt of the earth. From dust you came and dust you will return. But when God breathed into us, he put an eternal part of himself in us. And I want to tell you something. You are going to live forever. Now, your body may not live forever, especially if you do something stupid. You know, the most stupid words were, hey, honey, watch this. And she said, let me get my phone out first because I'm going to show this to the world. But your, your soul is going to live forever. You're going to live forever somewhere you're going to live forever and because you're going to live forever because your soul is eternal god loves you the bible says cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you he cares for every soul what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul 
Nothing. This is why every life matters to God. Every life. This is why we can never be okay with racism. We may have different skin tones, but we're all one race, human race. This is why we can never be okay with abortion. Only God should give life and take life away. And by the way, we could say euthanasia or suicide-assisted death. And this is why we value the elderly and the sick and, the, and those who are physically disabled or restricted in some way. Regardless of who you are, you never reach a point of uselessness. You never do. I know people who've been laying vegetatively on a bed and their family came to faith because of it and through that experience. He was a witness to them. And so God made us with a soul. It's eternal. And he also gave us a, he gave us a freedom to choose. Now, Adam and Eve chose, they chose to rebel. They chose to do what God said not to do. Sin came into the world, and then sin came, spiritual death came into the world. The Bible says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So what do we do now? You see, every time we sin, every time we sin, it's like a smudge on our image. It's like we were made in God's image, but sin breaks that and it smudges us, and we're like smudged out. You watch these show, shows where they blotted out the face or some other part of the person, and that's what's happening to us. And so the Bible says when you're redeemed, you're bought back, you're restored to the original state. That's what Ephesians 4.24 says. For, Ephesians 4.24 says we put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So the big question for us today as I end, you were made in God's image, but you sinned. We all know you did because we all did. The question is, have you been redeemed? Have you let God buy you back? He bought you back at great price, not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood. Peter calls it the precious blood. Nowhere else do you call it that the precious blood of Jesus was shed for you and me. And today you can make things right. If you've never accepted Christ, you've never asked him to redeem you, you've never followed that up with baptism, you've never, you've never gotten serious about repentance and your life in him, today you can do that. And would you stand with me and you think about this. If you want to put roots down here, if you need prayer for your life, you just come forward and we'll do that. Lord God, thank you so much for your goodness and grace. Give us the courage now to get right with you, to get our lives back in order, to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, God, for choosing us. You chose us to have fellowship with. And Lord, we want to walk with you like Adam walked with you in the cool of the day. That's my prayer. That's my desire. I pray our desire in Jesus' name.